0: fisherman was at sea with his colleagues when a storm sprung up and threatened to sink the the, the ship and his friends were there and they begged him to pray now initially he refused it's been a long time since i've done that or even entered a church but at their insistence he finally cried out Oh Lord, I haven't asked anything of you for the past 15 years. And if you help us now, and bring us safely to land, I won't bother you again for the next 15 years. For many people, prayer is like that, isn't it? It's like a spiritual SOS. Like a spare tyre that you stick in the car, and you hope you'll never have to use it ever. It's for emergencies only. But prayer is supposed to be a much more vital part of our everyday lives. Someone once said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And yet so often, prayer gets relegated To the the edges of our busy lives. Many years ago, my mum gave me a little poem and a card. She was always doing that kind of thing, Uh, and I just hoped that I just wish I'd kind of listened a little bit more to what it was saying. This is what it said. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. Problems just tumbled around me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He answered, but you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Of course, that doesn't mean that if we just prayed more, then we wouldn't have any problems in our lives. But it does emphasize how much we miss, how much help that we miss because we just don't take time to pray. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to let Jesus teach us a little bit about prayer. We're going to look at a really incredibly well-known part of the Bible. Probably a part that most of us know, maybe even most of us could recite. But I hope that just taking our time to step through it week after week will encourage us to take time to pray. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 9. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to verse 13. And Terry's going to come and she's going to read for us.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this then is how you should pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'd like to also read the message if that's okay. okay. Just a it is something we've heard so often and sometimes I think it's nice to hear just a little bit of a different a different take on it. So the message says our Father in heaven, reveal who you are, set the world right, do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals, keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge, you can do anything you want, you're ablaze in beauty.
0: Thank you, Terry. There are so many different ideas about prayer, aren't there? Some people only recite prayers that other people have written. Others think that nothing but spontaneous prayers are real. Some people think you should pray very formally using ancient words and phrases. Others pray very loudly as if they're trying to try and get God's attention. Some pray like reading a shopping list of what they want to happen. Others believe it's really wrong for us to pray for ourselves. It's really selfish to do that. Some people believe that repeating a prayer again and again makes it more effective. Others feel like they just can't keep asking for the same things again and again. whole range of ideas about prayer. But into that confusion... This is what Jesus said. This, then, is how you should pray. As you've probably recognised, this is what many people call the Our Father, or the Lord's Prayer. Maybe probably better it would be termed the Disciples' Prayer. Because it's how Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray. It's actually a prayer that Jesus could never pray, as we'll get to. And later on in verse 12 and 13. Now, of course, many Christians, they recite these words as a prayer. And I don't think that's wrong in any sense. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus taught a very similar prayer to his disciples. And when he said that, he said this. When you pray, say. So he was teaching them a prayer to say. But that's not what Jesus was doing here. Jesus was not giving his disciples a prayer to recite. Certainly not to be recited again and again and again without thinking about the words. Jesus had actually just condemned that practice in the previous verses. If you look at verse 7, it says, And when you pray, Do not keep on babbling on like pagans. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Good communication cannot be measured by how many words we use. Three competing shop owners had adjoining units in a shopping centre. The shopkeeper on the right Put up a huge sign saying, gigantic sale, super bargains. The one on the left, he raised bigger signs that said, prices slashed, fantastic discounts. The owner on the shop in the middle, he saw his competitors were overlooking the obvious. So he had a sign that was put over his door that had one word. It said simply, entrance. the amount of words that we use is not always the most important. That's the same with prayer. So if we mindlessly repeat this prayer again and again, we've really missed the point of what Jesus was teaching here. This is not a prayer to be memorized and recited a given number of times. Instead, Jesus here was giving a pattern to follow, an, an, an outline, a structure that will guide us in our prayer times, to help us to focus on the different aspects of prayer. This is the way, this is the pattern in how we should pray. So how did this prayer start? Well, we're just going to look at verse 9 this morning. And he started with the words, our Father. This of course reminds us that we should only pray to God alone. We mustn't pray to anyone else. Not to a saint or an angel or a spirit or a relative, your your granny that's passed away. But it teaches us also that if we are following Jesus we've got that incredible privilege Able to speak to God directly. I think that's something that we can often take for granted. We don't have the privilege to just walk up to or travel up to the Doll and go in and, and speak to the Taoiseach. Or go to Phoenix Park and bang on the door and demand to speak to our President. We don't have that privilege, but we do have that privilege with God. He will never be too busy for us. We don't need to wait for an appointment. We don't need somebody to kind of mediate for us. We don't need a priest or a minister or a pastor to pray for us. We can go directly to God. As we're thinking about in our study in the letter of Hebrews, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. By the blood of Jesus, and of ourselves, we would have, should have been barred from God's presence forever. Our sin should have separated us from God. For eternity. But if we have put our faith in Jesus, then because of his willing sacrifice on the cross, he has taken away our sin, he has paid our debt in full, and he has given us the right to come right into God's most holy presence. But we don't just have this privilege to speak to God. We have a parent-child Relationship to enjoy, we can call him our father. In the Greek New Testament, this is the word "pater" or "pater," but behind this is probably the Aramaic word, which is "abba." Now, "abba" has nothing to do with that Swedish pop group that has made a revival, even a kind of a. a, a, a A virtual revival even. It's nothing to do with that. But Abba is the equivalent of our word Daddy or Dad. It's a term of intimacy. It's a term of affection. It's a term of love. This is the word that Jesus used when he spoke to his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, Father, he prayed. First century Jewish people would never have prayed like this. It would have sounded completely irreverent, far too familiar to address God in this way. But Jesus did not draw back from using this this very familiar, this very family title, because this is the relationship they had with his father. And this is what he taught should be at the very heart of our prayer life. This is what Paul told the the Christians in Rome. He said this, You receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. In a week's time, God willing, I'll meet up with a guy called Samuel. Other people call him Marshall. And some even call him Mr. Burt. But when I meet him, I'll just call him Dad. Now, I don't do that to show a lack of respect. I'm not being insolent. Not at that moment in time anyway. Instead, I'm celebrating my special relationship that I have with him. I use that name because that name is reserved for those of us who are his kids. I remember having a discussion with a Jehovah Witness a number of years ago. He was wondering why I didn't use God's name Jehovah when I talked about him or or when I talked to God. And it is true that there are many Incredible titles and names for God in the Old Testament. Elohim, our Creator God. El Elyon, the Most High God. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. Yahweh, the Great I Am. Yahweh Rapha, the Lord our Healer. Yahweh Yireh, the Lord will provide. Yahweh Sidkenyu, the Lord our Righteousness. Incredible names that reveal something about our incredible God. And Jesus, He could have chosen any of those titles or names to teach us how to address God. In fact, when Greek people prayed, they usually piled up as many of the titles of their God as possible. As if they would, if they used as many names as possible, then they would attract His or her attention. But Jesus did nothing like that. He just brought it down to its most simplest, its most focus, and he he said that we should address God as our Father, as our Abba, as our Daddy. Because prayer is a celebration of the special relationship we have with God as our Father. We are not just coming to our Creator God. We're not just coming to the Most High God. We're not just coming to the Lord God Almighty or the Great I Am or the One who provides or the One who heals. We are running as children into the arms of our Dad. And so prayer, prayer is about intimacy. It's not about formality. It's about a loving relationship. Not an impressive performance. The Pharisees, they were all about performance. If you look back in verse 5 of our chapter, chapter 6. And so Jesus said, Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men i tell you the truth they have received the reward in full performances is, is superficial it's trivial so the rewards it gives are also the same superficial and trivial but we don't need to perform for god this morning we don't need to come through formality or rituals Neither do we need to come in terror or dread. If we trust in Jesus, we can run into our Father's arms. And we can pour out our hearts to Him. Because we are confident that we are accepted by Him. Real prayer is valuable because it's a part of our personal relationship With God. That's why the core of our prayer life needs to be private communication with God. Not public, but private. Look at verse 6 of of chapter 6. It says, But when you pray, go into your, your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer is about a relationship with God, so the core of it must be in private, not in public. It would be a really strange marriage relationship, wouldn't it? If that husband and wife only spoke to each other when other people were watching. They only spoke to each other when they were in public. In private, they never said a word to each other. That would be a very strange marriage relationship. But equally, it would be be a very strange Christian life if we just talked to God in public when other people were watching or listening and never in private during each day. Of course, that doesn't mean that community prayer is wrong like we've been doing this morning. This is a family prayer. We address God as our Father. The requests in this prayer, they're all in plural. It's for us and for our needs. But of course, this isn't a prayer that everyone can pray. It's a prayer that so many people know, but lots of people pray it without having the right to pray it. Because we're only part of this family, we only have this privilege if we've been personally adopted into this relationship. In of ourselves, as we're born into this world, we are not children of God. We have no right to call God our Father. Instead, as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, we were God's enemies. Or as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were without hope and without God in this world. Outside of Christ, we're separated from Him. But if we've trusted in Jesus, then we've received something that we didn't have before. This is what John chapter 1 says, Yet to all who received Him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Jesus gave a right for us to become something that we weren't before. Children of God. In relationship with Him. Having this this privilege to call God our Father. Without Jesus we are outside of God's family. But if we've Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, if we've put our faith in Jesus, if we've trusted in his sacrificial death and his glorious resurrection, then we have been adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. We've been brought in to his family. We've been given this Privilege this new relationship with Him. And so prayer is a celebration of this parent-child relationship if we have faith in Jesus. So folks, if you're here this morning and you're not sure where you stand before God, then please don't leave it any longer. Today, you can turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus and accept Him as your Saviour and your Lord. And you can know for sure that you have the right to call God your Father. You can enjoy this privilege of coming to God as Father. But Jesus also taught us that we speak to our Father in heaven. Why did Jesus say that? Well, it doesn't mean that God is way up there somewhere. I remember being a kid and kind of gazing up in the sky and I wonder where God is. Jesus is not describing God's geographical location. Because the Bible is clear, God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. The wonderful Psalm 139 puts that so beautifully, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of dawn, the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is everywhere. So what is Jesus teaching us here about prayer by saying that we speak to our Father in heaven? Well, this is a reminder that we don't need to go anywhere special to speak to our God. Jesus said this to the Samaritan woman that he met at a well. He said, "You will. The day is coming, a time is coming, when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain, that was Mount Gerizim, the, the holy mountain of the Samaritans, nor in Jerusalem, which was where the Jews had the temple." He went on to say, "The true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The God that we speak to in prayer is not our Father." In church, or our Father in Jerusalem, or our Father in Rome, we don't need to go to on a pilgrimage to a special place, building or church, to speak to our God. God is not somehow more present in one building or another. This is what Paul said to the the, the people in Athens. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by hands. We don't need to go to a special place to meet with God. But through prayer, we have direct access to the God who is In heaven, our Father in heaven. So wherever we are today, our Father is present. He is our present Father. But the fact that we speak to our Father in heaven also teaches us about the kind of Father that He is. I know that some people really struggle really struggle with the idea of God as their father because of their difficult relationship with their own biological dads. Of course, all dads are imperfect. All of us are. But some neglect their kids. Some are absent from their kids' lives. Some spoil their kids. Some are incredibly harsh and aggressive towards our kids. Some are are incredibly demanding of their kids. Some even abuse their kids. And so to speak of God as our Father can produce all kinds of wrong ideas and very painful emotions. But heaven is a place where there is no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Heaven is a place that's untouched by sin. A place where no immoral, or cruel, or horrible, or a thought, or action can ever exist. It's a place of perfect purity, and perfect love, and perfect joy. So when we speak to our Father in heaven, we remind ourselves that He will never deal with us as any imperfect earthly father might. His love for us is untainted by the sin that's in this world. Our Father delights to give good gifts to His children. So Jesus went on to say in Matthew 7, if you then know you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And our Heavenly Father is not distant from us. Instead, He knows us intimately. He actually knows us better than anybody knows us. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him, verse 8 says. And our Father in heaven will never give up on us. In the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus describes God as the dad who is eagerly watching for his wayward son. To come back home. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's who our Heavenly Father is. Despite all our faults and all our failures, God values us. He loves us. He is always eager to embrace us. He longs to welcome us back. Forgive us completely. And throw a party to celebrate our relationship with Him. Our God is in heaven. And so he is a perfect father. But finally, he is also powerful. In prayer we do speak to our Abba, our dad. But he is also the king of heaven. And so he is all the power that we could ever need. This is why Paul could so confidently declare, My God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There will never be a situation that's too complicated in which God just doesn't know what to do. And there will never be a situation in our lives that's too challenging for God to be able to supply what we need. Our God is able to handle anything. And so we can pray with confidence and not doubt. Our Father is in heaven, so He is present and will always hear us whenever we call to Him. He is perfect and so He will always care for us with a love that will never weaken or change. And he is powerful, so you'll always be able to answer in ways that are for our best. So this, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Let's not miss out on this incredible gift. Let's follow Jesus' pattern of prayer as a relationship, not as a performance. Let's take full advantage of this privilege to speak directly with God anytime, anywhere. Let's enjoy this parent-child relationship that we have with God. Just running into His arms as His kids. And let's focus on the place where He reigns. So we can come confidently to Him. For all that we need.